Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. Oh, how many people were here last week? All right, awesome. If you were here and you sang happy birthday to me, I'd like to tell you thank you, but I'd like to start with a ridiculous story about that. Um, so, when I was young, uh, 10 years old maybe, we were going to a Methodist church, very traditional Methodist church, piano and organ only, and we only use the piano. <laughs> so uh, one of those things that happened on a regular basis, one of their traditions was, if it was your birthday on that Sunday, you got to pick the hymn. I didn't know that. I show up to church one Sunday, and they said, it's Jeremy's birthday, pick a hymn. Now, as a testimony to being able to stand here today, I was so petrified sitting in the pew with everybody looking at me, I pull the hymnal out, don't look at anything, flop it open, read the first number that I see, and then I just sit and wait in horror because I felt like everybody was still staring at me. And as the pianist started to play, I'm like, why is she playing Happy Birthday first? I looked down at the page. The song that I picked was Happy Birthday. Nobody in the church knew that I just did the kerplot method, and I looked like the most conceited, arrogant, little snot-nosed kid going, I'm going to make the whole church sing happy birthday to me. So thank you all very much. I'm going to have to go see Wayne for some counseling since you all assisted in some trauma from my childhood and bringing that back. So anyhow. Okay, so uh, a couple little prefaces to maybe what I want to share today. As Mark just shared... Um, I, om I won't say it was against what I believed, but I thought for a long time that preaching the same message more than once was kind of lazy. This came to me and I went, okay, maybe I'm going to retract that statement. Um, so that's, this is, a lot of this is coming out of things that me and my family have walked through and things that I felt like the Lord has shown me over time. And I just want to share it as life experience, not as because I'm the expert and I thus saith the Lord type stuff. Are you guys with me in that? So can you just give me grace, like if there's something that we just kind of don't quite jive with that, you know, you can kind of just hear my heart in it? Is that cool? Awesome. Um, yeah, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity here this morning. And Lord, I thank you that every bit of what you bring through me would come from my heart, from your Holy Spirit, and none of this would come off the page. None of this would be my knowledge or, or my perfectionism trying to shine through, Lord, that this would 100% be you. And I thank you for bringing this. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, so, um, you know, I figure go big or go home. So, <laughs> something that if you guys... I just had shared a little bit that a lot of this come out of, I'll call it family story, um, things that we've walked through. And if, if we've never had a chance to talk, come say hi. I'd love to like share a little bit. But like if you don't know any of our backstory, um, I'll give you a, a super short list and, and just so that you know where I'm coming from with this. Um, when I was four years old, my dad was in a logging accident. And a tree fell on him, broke his neck, and he was in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Fast forward to... Um, when my wife and I got married, we got pregnant with our first son. Um, my son Trent had a, a stroke before he was born, which caused a lot of the, um, the, the health side effects with him. We thought we had that handled, or, or was like able to you know, kind of swallow that for a little bit. 
and decided to try again. We had another uh, child, Savannah. She got sick at about six months old, ended up in the ICU for a month, was on a feeding tube for six months. We get her kind of leveled out, and at her one-year birthday, um, my dad come to the party and said he wasn't feeling good. He wanted to get some pictures together as a family because he says, he was exaggerating, he said, he knew prophetically, we've seen that afterwards, but he said, 60 years from now, you're going to be happy you have pictures of all of us together. The next day, he went to the hospital, and eight days later, he passed away. After that, and kind of feeling like between him and my pap, who I was both very close to, passing away, um, we thought we had things settled in our life. I get a phone call when I'm at work, and it's from my former pastor. He says, hey, somebody called me. They think your house is on fire. I went home that almost immediately and found our house completely burned to the ground. So from all that really great learning experiences is where this was birthed out of. So keep your judgment criticism. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I'm going to definitely do some stuff that stretches me this morning, and I want to talk about that at the end. I'm going to absolutely come through stuff and bring it to a point and then just let it hang. And we're going to move on to something else. And I'm hoping at the end things start to fold together. Um, because the, the, the point of my message this morning is, I think, something that we have all asked, if we're going to be honest about it, or we know somebody that has deeply, deeply struggled with this in the past. And that is, why does bad things happen to good people? Yeah, do you feel that? So I've seen that single-handedly, that question stop people in their faith, absolutely cripple people in growth, and just continue this ugly, vicious cycle of lies. And, and the way that the enemy uses that, it's just, it's crushing. So I feel like because of what we've walked through, I have grace to speak into that as an encourager, never as any kind of condemnation. That's not what any of this is intended for. So I hope you guys just hear my heart in that. Um, the first thing I guess I'd like to do when we talk about why does bad things happen to good people, is to break down good and bad. The definitions of good and bad, and the way our society sees that, and how we choose to, in our own mind, either label it or perceive how that's going to pan out. So, good, right? The word good, a lot of times, is what, let's say, gives us the storybook ending right? The fairy tale ending. It's, it's how everybody wants the story to end and that everything's perfect and everybody gets along and, you know, good prevails in the end, right? Bad has the same effect. We like that gratification, like when you watch a movie, right? And the bad guy gets it in the end. He's getting what's coming to him kind of a thing, right? Like that feels good in our flesh. Like it's deep down in our gut and we get excited about that. The thing is, when you parallel that to our spirit, right? Do we deserve to get what we get in the end? That's where the Lord started to check me with this. And it went, we should get hell, but by grace we're saved and we get to claim heaven. We get to claim eternal salvation, right? You guys with me with that? <clears throat> so even if it's just for this morning, I hope that it lasts a little bit longer than that. I would challenge us just for the beginning of this to change our language instead of good and bad that if we changed it to redeemed or not redeemed or non-redeemed, if you will. 
To me, if I label somebody a bad person or a bad situation, that seems extremely permanent and, and kind of like fixed to me, like when I think about that. But if I was to refer to somebody as non-redeemed or unredeemed or, or however you want to say it, there's hope in that for me. Like, and, and here's a, I, I'm a super practical guy. I overthink stuff like you can't imagine. So for me, I have to slow stuff way down. And it's so cool because it's almost like the Lord knows what he's doing, right? That this morning, so many things came out of being practical, taking a step, making it happen. And I wrestled with this message. I'm like, Lord, this seems way too basic. This seems like so, like, I'm, I feel like I should be sharing this message to kindergartners almost or something. Like, I feel like as we mature in our faith, this didn't seem like something that was like one of those heavy hitting, like just deep, like seeing the heavens open up kind of revelation. Like this just seems very applicable, very practical. And I think sometimes we absolutely need to do that. We need to back up and reset and pay attention to the simple stuff. So, um, if we're going to talk about redeemed or unredeemed versus good and bad, somebody that I like to refer to a lot because this is one that really kind of cooks my brain. If we just called somebody good or bad, right? If I mentioned the name Adolf Hitler, probably all of us immediately flashed to that was a bad dude, right? Here's where our flesh and our, our spirit can collide. What if he met the Lord right before he passed? Then what label do you put to that? Is he good or is he bad? Because praise God for grace, like we're all in the same boat. I'm not talking about like whether he faces punishment for the things that he done. That's a whole different subject. But just good versus bad versus if you had redeemed or non-redeemed. If you're non-redeemed, we have this, this hope of becoming that redeemed person. That's, that's where grace abides, right? Like, to me, all of a sudden now we have the opportunity to see a person for who God created them to be, not for where they're currently at. Cool. So the, the second kind of a point that I want to make, to, to just pause all that for a second, is to talk about our perspective. And uh, the first verse I want to go to is Matthew 6.23. And this is just as a, a reminder to us, if you will. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is your darkness, how great is the darkness? I feel like our eyes have a big part in how we perceive and what our perspective is, right? That plays a big part in... If we was just to see an action or something taking place... We can create a whole label, a backstory, a um, unforgiveness, all kinds of things, just in how we choose to perceive that situation of that person, but might have nothing at all to do with where that's coming from. You guys with me with that? Um, one of the things that is um, 
I think, important in this. This is where I'm going to take a step out of my comfort zone. This is about our perspective. If you guys can't see, I should have maybe threw that out there first. Some of you might recognize this. This is my version. I'm going to try to write it big enough. Everybody see that? It's a victim, in case you can't. <laughs> okay. So when we take on uh, a perspective that's not godly, that's not ours, that he didn't intend us to have, we end up staying in a victim-type mentality. That victim mentality creates creates us in a place of being helpless. Don't judge me for my calligraphy. It looks more like hieroglyphics. And if we're helpless, that leaves us with no choice. Right? And if we have no choice, that just runs us back up to becoming a victim again. You guys with me in that? But, if we come over here and we take God's perspective on things, and we become responsible, and we own it, what's inside of us, and then what he calls us to see, we're supposed to speak to the things that are not as though they are, right? Okay? So now if we're responsible and we take ownership of that, whoa, wow, that's bad. That's even worse. <laughs> we become empowered, and when we're empowered, that gives us our choice back. And then when we have that choice, now, we move into the future, we become usable, uh-oh, okay, there we go. We become free from our past. You guys with me with that? Okay. That is sketchy, but we're going to roll with it. So, I guess all I want to illustrate out of that, out of our perspective, is that if we choose, let me go back to Hitler for a second. If we choose to only see somebody as bad, we choose to, that, that he, I better watch how I say that. Uh, Let's just go with responsible. If we take the responsible role in that, in owning what we've done, that, that leaves that door open for God's grace to come in, set us free from what we've done, and move into those steps, and move into the future. With me? Okay. We're going to pause that. I'm going to jump to the next part. Now, this is the thing... Can you, if I write the whole way down here, can you guys see that if I get out of the way? I know, I'm a bad window. 
Um, <laughs> here's what I, this is. This was the thing the Lord showed me, and this was the thing that started unpacking everything. So, if there's one thing you take away, forget everything else I said today. I hope that you can take this because okay, I'm supposed to share my heart about this first. Sorry. One thing that it just so excited me this morning as everybody was talking about things being practical and making it like something we can take a step into, right? Like just there was so much of that kind of language this morning and what the Lord was doing. This is where my heart's at. Like I love relationship with people. If, you've, if we've never had a chance to talk, I won't have a problem doing that. Like you come hang out, we'll talk lots. Um, I usually find myself like running out of time before I get a chance to like, like hang out with somebody. But anyhow, what I'm getting at is I really cherish relationship with people. And when I say relationship, that doesn't mean that like I'm absolutely best friends with everybody. That's not possible. Relationship for me is if I have somebody in my life that I have access to, I want to have enough openness in my heart and accountability with the people around me that they know they can come to be like, hey, could we hang out? I got something I need to share. I want to like throw something at you. Like I want to just have that kind of ebb and flow or or openness vulnerability to like somebody can feel like they can come and and just like unload like we can just hang out we we'll peanuts on the back porch we'll have a great time you know like that kind of a like break down the walls and i'm not talking about just you guys are wonderful but like you guys know like what we we're just talking about we got to be outside right we got to be connecting because all of us leave here to go to our ministry platforms wherever that's at so that's that's what i feel really called to is each one of us reach somebody completely differently. This question of why does bad things happen to good people is one of the, I don't know about you guys, in my experience, that is one of the biggest, most confusing things non-believers run into. They go, if God's good, how could he let X, Y, and Z happen? Right? I hope that this is a really nice, concise little, like literally just grab a napkin and pencil it out illustration that's super practical that we can share with each other that becomes something that completely opens the door for other conversation to grow and that relationship to start okay so i'm going to abbreviate okay can everybody see that why does bad things happen to good people basic simple Right? Didn't lose anybody on that? Okay. Now, that's, I will guarantee I'm not going to answer that question this morning. I'm a good speaker, right? So, what I do want to do is I want to dismantle and I want to kick out the props that are lies that hold that up. Okay? So, in bad things happening to good people, we wrestle with that because that becomes our single focus, we go back to the, our perspective, our eye is the lamp of our spirit. If we're taking that in and that becomes all we can focus on, what is that doing? That's just feeding self. That's feeding our flesh. That's feeding so many unhealthy things. And we form theology around that, which becomes insulated walls of justifying things. And that's why like, when you meet somebody on the street that's super hurt, right? Years and years and years of hurt. And they just, they have spent lots and lots of time thinking about that and saying, this is why. 
and, and then just being fortified in that thing and not letting you in. I hope that this helps to break that down. Okay. Trying to be really nice with that. Okay, so next we have bad things happening to bad people. How does that feel? How does that conflict with our flesh? How does that conflict with our spirit? When we look at that, is that... When bad things happen to bad people, is that the bad guy getting it in the end? Right? Now, what about when good things happen to good people? To me, that's something that, that illustrates good versus bad, right? If we want that celebrated storybook ending, the fairy tale finish where everything's perfect and everything's wonderful and we just, you know, it's all rainbows and unicorns, whatever. That's, that's good things happening to good people. But the last one, of course, you can probably guess. Whoops, that ain't right. Can we celebrate good things happening to bad people? We should be able to, because that's where grace rescues us. If, if we're going to call it good and bad, we have to be clear on where it's coming from, right? So if our eyes, the lamp, and our perspective tells us how God sees us, now we can clearly see how other people are seen by God. I know we have some hunters in the room. Is anybody familiar with the term parallax? Anybody know what a parallax is in your, in your scope, and your rifle? Parallax is when you have a, your sight picture, right? Like when you squint your one eye and you look through. Parallax is the two lenses not quite lining up, and you'll have a... a the, if you have the, the 360 degree view inside of that, only looking at a small little bit of that because it's not lined up perfectly. But when you line it up perfectly, you can see 100% of that picture. So what I want to point out is when we focus only on bad things happening to good people, we're not seeing that whole picture. That's not a balanced equation if you're, you're into math. Bless you if you are. But... This isn't a hunting analogy or shooting analogy, but, okay, we have a balanced equation. Now, if that becomes the whole picture, now all of a sudden we're not isolated to making it about us and declaring, like, why can't this question be answered? Because it's only about bad things happening to good people. We sit in and can just focus and insulate on that. So, Jeremy's going to get out of the way, and we're going to go back into the Scripture. Because this was something the Lord showed me and absolutely blew me away, you guys. Uh, we're going to go to Matthew 14. We're going to start in verse 6. Now, this does not sound like or would not even be compared to this message in any way. I know you guys know this story. 
I only feel like to do the story justice, we're going to read through the whole thing. Excuse me. Did I share that? Uh, 14.6, if I didn't say that. Okay. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Having been prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. Although he was grieved, the king commanded it to be given because of his oath. And because of his dinner guest, he sent and John, the, John beheaded, was beheaded in the prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. His disciples came and took away the body and buried it. And they went and reported to Jesus. Verse 13. Now when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. And when the people heard this, they followed him on foot from the city. Pause. Okay? Now, just to bring context to this, we're going to flip over to Luke chapter 1, verse 41. Until the Lord started to unpack this, I'd never made this connection before. And this was, this was serious, okay, for me. I hope it is for you guys. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, we're going to go right back over. To Matthew 14, or um, yeah, 14, 14, sorry. Oh, wait, before I go into that, sorry. I don't know about you guys, but I've... This is what that scripture in Luke showed me about Matthew in this passage. I had never directly connected how tight Jesus and John the Baptist were. I'd never seen that before birth, they were connected spiritually in the womb. That was the point that I was trying to illustrate there. I left that before we should have, sorry. So, to jump back into 1414... When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. I felt like this was super important as context for us because today when we talk about bad thing happening to good people, we get hung up in that question. We start to justify it and we support other people justifying it. I feel like that's a really super dangerous thing. And I say that not as criticism. I say that from conviction and from walking that out by myself. I gave you guys a really short snippet of some of the things me and my family have walked through over the years. I found identity in people consoling. I found 
this almost elitism of going, well, I've, you know, like, I've, I've walked through way more than you. Like, don't talk to me about your car having a flat tire. Don't talk to me about your cell phone going dead. You know, like, ah, peasant. You know, like, I just kind of had this, like, arrogance sometimes about me, right? Like, and a lot of that, the worst part about it was, I think, I, I, maybe it was even false humility that I walked in corresponding with people, but outside of that, when I was on my own or when I thought about what we were going through or whatever else it might have been, that was when those thoughts started to come in, that I had something figured out everybody else didn't. I, like, I was wearing these badges of honor from war kind of a thing. And, and I, I don't doubt that. Like, that's what I loved about that song this morning. And, and talking about the valleys and talking about the mountains, and I was looking at that too and, and thinking, man, Lord, like, you've taught me so much in both of those things. Like, those things bring the spice of life to my testimony, to what the Lord has showed me over the years. So sometimes I'm afraid that if anybody would have been, let me, let me, let me just do a hypothetical, right? Like, don't call this heresy, just hypothetical. If Jesus would have went and formed a posse and told everybody that was following him, look what Herod just did. Let's like round up the troops. Let's form a militia. Let's make a fake Facebook post. And tell everybody, like, whatever. And then everybody comes in and, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your friend, John. You know, like, right? Like, that's, that's, the, that's the society we live in. I know that's like tramping some toes. That hurts. But I feel like we do that too much. We have to keep that kind of stuff in check. And here's a perfect picture of how we're supposed to demonstrate that. That we know of in Scripture, Jesus didn't complain a bit about that. Jesus was heartbroken. That's why he left. And if anybody would have been justified to say, look, I've had enough of ministry for today. I need some space. You guys go back home, right? What's he do? Not only does he feel compassion, but then he immediately moves into feeding the 5,000. That is, that's amazing fruit. That, that challenges me at such a deep level that I'm like, Lord, help us. Like, us and our arrogance of going like, I've walked through so much, you know? Like, it, it just, this really landed at home for me because of everything that I just shared. Okay, good. I didn't know whether I was going to go short or long, so this is, this is perfect. Yeah, I just I couldn't get over the fact that Jesus was moved with compassion. That just so landed for me, you guys. So uh, I was going to write all this out, but I think this is probably a little bit too basic to do that. I'll just share this with you guys. To go back to our perspective for a second, one thing I was going to do that I decided to ask this morning was, I always use this in other messages sometimes for illustrations of <clears throat> the way we view something, and a like or a dislike could be, um, we don't think about um, maybe good or bad or right or wrong as our perspective sometimes, but even in music, right, there's like some very dis discrete differences, and there's some very um, blatant differences with our tastes in music, right? Like, we could all share, like, what we like, what we don't like. Does that make one of them right and one of them wrong? One of them good, one of them bad? There's places like that sometimes where I feel like we have to... Let me say this. If, if we aren't seeing that 
that lamp to our soul, if, if that's not God's perspective in our heart, then we're looking with darkness onto God's children. You guys with me with that? Like, like if we perceive, let me, let me grab some low-hanging fruit. Because they go to that church, I don't agree with that part. So we can't be friends. You know, We're not going to get matching tattoos or whatever it might be. <laughs> do you guys do that here? <laughs> Sign me up. Um, anyhow, okay. So uh, th- this is kind of a little bit of a stretch, but let me just throw this out there. Deuteronomy 30, 15. I lay before you life and death, okay? As we choose to perceive things, you can throw real simple labels to it and think about it as good or bad. Joy, right, has three letters, but so does cry. Hate has four letters, but so does love. Lying has five letters, but so does truth. Enemies has seven letters, but so do friends. Negativity has ten letters, but so does positivity. I just want to challenge us, I guess, this morning to pay close attention to the life and death that's in the power of our tongue. What comes out and how we perceive stuff, it, it is... We, we literally do. We can, we can give life. We can tear things down. I don't know if any of you guys have ever tried like the random acts of kindness kind of a thing. Of like, like non-spiritual context. Now, I'm just talking about walking through the mall and paying somebody a compliment. I love your coat. I, you know, your kids are so cute. Or whatever that might be. If you've ever been on the receiving end of something completely random like that, does that not put a huge spring in your step? I think that's a beautiful thing. And, and to, to couple this spiritually of like how life-giving that can be i feel like there's way too often we're walking around with so much more authority and so much more power and we limit that let me share this a little bit um and, and this is a little bit of a gear change but like i feel like the lord's just tying it in together this morning in case you're wondering because i know you all were i'm six foot five I was completely sarcastic. That's one of my attributes, by the way. Um, I'm six foot five because my dad was six foot seven. What attributes does God have that's supposed to come through us that we don't? Like if I stood here and I said, no, I'm I'm five two, solid five two all day long. You guys would look at me like, whatever, you know. But we literally do that when we limit what God's saying, and then we go, oh, no, no, I'm not. And this is because this, like, I felt like the Lord put this on my heart this morning prophetically because I'd love to release this over you guys. One that gets really dampened really often is creativity, creating. As a fun little side thing that I do, I love to um, invent. I love to create. I'm a gearhead. I love simplistic things, and I've kind of, like, as a side not a hustle yet, but it's going to be. Um, I love to go after patents and, and try to procure like something. Um, anyhow, I, I could go into a bunch of that, but that's maybe another message for another time. Where I'm going with all this, okay, 
I've heard so many people say, I'm not a creative person, that's not me. Who's our dad? The creator. You have creativity in you. And I felt like this morning that there was people who have, because of life and death, right, and the power of our tongue, spoken over ourselves, I'm not a creative person. Now, you don't have to be the next Albert Einstein. You don't have to be the next Elon Musk, right? We don't all have to send spaceships into space or wherever else they go. If you're flat earth. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I... I want to see us all start to walk in better fullness of who God called us and created us to be. I'll say this at the end. Your circumstances have nothing to do with the outcome. Our perspective determines the end result. Thank you, guys. I think that's it. It's a hard stop, but um, did did you guys walk with me through that? Is that did I speed through? I'd love feedback, by the way, because like Mark shared, I feel like this is something that the Lord's going to have me share more as I go along wherever the door opens up, and I want this to flow um, that that people get it. So I have a lot of work to do in that, but I, I just you know kind of kind of bringing that. So yeah, come, let's hang out eat peanuts on the back porch. So that's just me. Did you want to close in prayer or anything else, Mark? Cool. Take this. Absolutely. I think it'd be good if you, this, if you prayed over us. Sure. Yeah. Would you do that? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I don't have a problem talking. <laughs> awesome. Ah. Yeah, Lord. Lord, I just praise you right now for every heart that's here, everybody that will hear this message right now. Lord, I decree over them for dreams, visions, and awakening in their spirit that, Lord, that not a single bit of this would be too practical, that it would become life-giving, and we would share that, Lord. We would give that to others. We'd give that to the world and the broken people around us. That, Lord, we could continue to break off the lies of the enemy that have been spoken over them by authority figures, by parents, by peers. Lord, that we would be known as a culture and a people that speak life. I praise you so much for this house, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to share. Lord, I just speak over everybody for this week, for safety, for wisdom, for clarity, and everything that they lay their hand to and everything that they do. And Lord, we just bless 81 and we speak safety over that road. We speak safety over everybody that's standing, working on those roads. Mm. And Lord, I just speak supernatural strategy to the leadership of this county, whether it's political, whether it's council, whether it's school boards. Lord, that you would just give them insight into guiding this county, Lord, over this state. Just have your hand in that. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I just keep wanting this to turn on. Hello? Anyway.
Thank you very much. Uh, one of the perspectives that I thought was really important was that if you guys can just make sure before you judge a circumstance this week, think about what he just shared today. Think about looking at it from a perspective other than the current one you're in. Take a moment, look at a person, look at a situation, look at a circumstance and say, Lord, show me how you see this circumstance, this person. Because it's very possible that you could be part of the redemptive story that leads to a completely different outcome. Amen? All right. And also, I was just told today that we have an 86-year-old in the house. Yeah. June, don't you look around. Don't you look around. <laughs> Can you believe that lady over there is 86 years old? That's amazing. She's truly an elder among us. We love you and we honor you. Much love from you to us and back at you. All right, everybody, have a great week. <laughs> I was going to say that. I'm like, ah, just be too much. Have you heard him sing? We love you. Thank you all. Have a great week. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.